Hello and welcome to the Killstream Polish Connection. Uh, you go by Paul. Uh, this is your first time on the show. So what I usually do for, for first-time guests is give them the chance to introduce themselves and, and tell people what it is they do and how they got here, etc. Thanks, Ralph. Uh, so I was born in Poland. I grew up in the West and I currently live in Poland. And I'm a Polish nationalist. I'm trying to prevent Poland from making the same mistakes of the West. Now, give us a little background on the, on the current uh, situation in Poland. Like I said uh, before we started, I have a, a lot of questions here, but um, I know PIS is the ruling party. Law and justice is what they call it uh, uh, in the Western Pronounced media. Pronounced piss. Piss, yes. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, yeah, you're pretty hard on them. I've seen your Twitter. We'll go through. Uh, we'll go through some of that uh, here. But um, first off, just give us a lay of the land there in Poland. Tell us how they got into power in the first place and like the evolution of their party. Oh, uh, oh, that's a long story. So <laughs> after, <clears throat> oh, we call it a round table agreement. Right? After communism ended. Uh, all the major parties that took power in Poland were at this meeting near Warsaw, um, and a lot of Polish nationalists think that there's an agreement there, that these parties look after their own, and um, it's basically the same, right? Like, whether you go with PiS or the liberal opposition, which is platform uh, pronounced poo, <laughs> right? whether you go with PiS or poo, right, you're pretty much going to get the same thing. Right. Um, so we want to flip this table and we want to introduce something new. Um, right. Uh, there's a lot to, to go into it. Uh, well, what else could I say about this? Oh, this is basically run by one man, Yaroslav Kaczynski. And Yaroslav Kaczynski, I'm, I'm very sympathetic to him. Right. Um, but when you're trying to understand why this does what it does, you have to understand why Kaczynski does what he does, what motivates him. Uh, there are some personal things, some ideological things. Right now in Poland, we're very close to an election. We're about three weeks away from a very important parliamentary election. Uh, and right now, every party, including the leftist ones, are very anti-immigrant, anti-Ukraine, uh, because we're trying to appeal to Polish voters. Now, uh, you mentioned offering them something different. Uh, you're a Polish nationalist. Uh, what would be that something different compared to the status quo? I really like this party called Confederacja. And Confederacja uh, have um, a lot of right-wing views. So uh, one thing is in Poland, and this is something I didn't understand when I first got here, because you know I, I grew up in the West and... I was more of a white nationalist type of guy, right? Like, you know, I saw all the problems uh, of part of some alt-right uh, movements locally. I actually uh, watched your show when I was starting to get into it. And, uh, oh, cool. um, you know, yeah. Um, so uh, once I moved in, I, I didn't want to become a petty nationalist, right? Because I know, like, you know, we all have to work together, right? Uh, but we have to put Polish interest first. Um, here... The taxes are really high. Uh, it is basically impossible. I shouldn't say impossible, but the environment in Poland makes it very hard to create a business, to run a company, right? Um, so we have some economic things uh, to make taxes lower, to make it simpler. And we also want 
to severely limit immigration because we view not only illegal immigration of a problem. Right? Um, I think that in Poland, we have a very juvenile debate because everyone is against illegal immigration, right? Even the leftist parties, so they say, no, 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 we don't want any illegal immigrants. Right? But when it comes to legal immigrants, there haven't been a real debate about whether we want to do this, whether we want to recreate what France did, what Germany did in the 1970s. Uh, and Confederate have a very good idea to severely limit legal immigration to prevent those mistakes. Now, you, you mentioned uh, immigration, migration, etc. Um, so how's the reigning piss party, the law and justice party? Um, how would how would you consider their their populism kind of kind of phony? And, and I saw you tweeting about this. Um, how has the, the migration and student visas and, and work visas increased under their watch? Hugely. Um, Massively, uh, uh, migration from African countries have gone up almost 4,000%. Right? Um, before they took, look, we got a gift from Stalin. Uh, Poland was one of the most ethnically homogenous countries in the world. And this is a great strength of Poland, right? that when PiS took power, Poland was about like 98% Polish. Right? We had uh, some Ukrainian workers, migration, and like that fine, right? Uh, but it was a very homogenous country, and now we're becoming much, much more multicultural. And you can just see it, right? You can go to parts of Poland and it looks like Bangladesh out here. Uh, uh, there's a great increase in Bangladeshis, Indians, Muslims, um, all the foreign workers are uh, getting permits. Uh, and you can just see it on the street. No one can deny that when you walk around Poland, it's much more diverse and vibrant now. Uh, there's also a recent issue of one of the big scandals right now is that PIS sold visas. Right? So, uh, for example, they sold visas to Indians. The Indians would use visas to come into Poland. And then because Mexico would accept people with Polish visas because they said, oh, if Poland cleared them to go into the EU, then they can also come to Mexico. They'll go to Mexico and then they would illegally cross the southern border into America. And the reason why these officials did this is because they were paid. They were paid a significant amount of money, huge amounts of money. So it's both that they are corrupt and making money. And on the other hand, they're opening the door to Poland. Um, the argument that they make is we need workers. Right? Uh, the birth rate is low of Polish population is aging, so we need to bring in new workers um, to fill in these jobs. But these people will settle, they'll apply for family reunification visas, and we will have the same situation as France. Uh, because France, their problems don't stem from illegal migration. Their problems stem from legal migration. Now, it's funny you mentioned that because it caught my eye for one reason, because I'm living in Mexico now. Uh, and I saw what you what you tweeted out uh, about them kind of backdooring their way uh, into the United States, really, is what they're, uh, is what they're after. Uh, and so that kind of caught my eye. But um, before I go to some of these other questions, you know, in the Western media, PIS uh, is portrayed as like this, you know, far right um you know, a party that kind of uh, has a stranglehold on the country. How, how is that? You talked about it a little bit, but how did they get that reputation in the Western media and, and how, how is that wrong? 
by lying during the last elections, right? Uh, like during the last, and that's why I was sympathetic to this well, when I first got here, right? Because I, I heard the thing that they were saying and they sounded good, right? They want to stop LGBT uh, indoctrination, right? I'm like, yes, uh, because they, their main platform in the last presidential election was stop LGBT ideology, right? Like, they sound really good. But they don't do it. They don't do anything, right? The, uh, the president vetoed his own government's bill that would have given parents access to what NGOs are doing and uh, stopping access to schools if they didn't like it, right? Uh, so they say things that are based, but then they just do it. We say in Poland that the difference between piss and poo is that poo of all the uh, things that Brussels wants that Washington wants happily, right? Especially what Brussels wants, but they'll happily do it. And piss will do the same thing, but they'll complain about it. Uh, even in the last election, uh, the Polish state media, which have controlled by piss, uh, started talking about the Jews, saying that if our opponents get elected, the, uh, Rafał Trzaskowski, who was the presidential candidate, will basically sell out Poland to the Jews. Now, and, oh, go ahead. Yeah, continue. and they'll no, say stuff that. like that during elections. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so basically they're presenting a false face uh, in order to win, and then when they get in, they don't do the well, No, 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 no. They were correct about that. Like, he totally was. Like, this guy wears a kippah. He's um, next to the president of the World Jewish Council. Like, that guy would sell out Poland to the Jews. They're correct. No, but they don't do anything about it, though, is what you're, is what you're saying, right? Um, they, they seem to be correct on that, but they, they're not really um, doing what they say they're going to do. Is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Now let's go through some of the um, history of, of Poland uh, because I feel like, you know, we know Poland, et cetera, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't consider myself an expert, and I, I doubt the audience, most of them, probably a couple here and there, uh, would consider themselves expert on the um, – you know the history of Poland. Uh, so I was going to ask you, what what is the relevance of uh, uh, Pilsudski? I think I said that right. My my Polish pronunciation. Yes, Pilsudski. Pilsudski and his his alliance with the with the Western Ukrainians, or just his relevance in general. Uh yes, he is uh, relevant, right? So when I mentioned Jaroslav Kaczynski, Jaroslav Kaczynski is a uh, admirer of Pilsudski. So if we go back to that period in Polish history, right after the rebirth of Poland, uh, Polish thought uh, split into two major ideologies. Uh, one was Pilsudski, and he had this intermarium dream of this great Polish empire, this great Poland, big, big Poland, right? Stretching from the Baltic Sea to the Black Sea, a uh, really big, powerful country. And this was what he thought would be best for the Polish nation, for a Polish state, right? Uh, I subscribe to his rival, Roman Domowski. And Roman Domowski wanted a Polish ethnostate. He didn't want to have a great empire which incorporated all these other people. He just wanted a country of Poles, right? Um, and so Jar uh, Kaczynski draws from uh, Pilsudski, where he wants to recreate intermarium, he wants to recreate the Commonwealth. Uh, and, it, you know, initially I thought, all right, whatever, like if you want to do that with like the Ukrainians or whatever, but if he wants to do with like the Pakistanis, like all these new citizens of it, that they can become Poles too. One of the things, when you look back at that time of history, you can get a lot of, um, 
what would it be? You you can see a lot of issues back then that are the same now. Uh, one thing that Roman Domovsky accused Pilsudski and his followers of, he said, you hate Russia more than you love Poland. And I think that's true now, too. Now, you mentioned Russia, and it wasn't exactly uh, in my full list of questions here, but how how does Russia influence uh, the lay of the land there in Poland and, and the political landscape? Oh, hugely. Like, uh, yes, it, 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 you know, we're right next to them. They're a huge, powerful country that could do huge harm to us. Right? So we have, you know, people are very scared of Russia and what Russia could do, but I think we have to be smart about it. I think the greatest disaster for Poland, and this would be very similar to what happened before World War II, is if we have a situation where we have unfriendly relationships with our two closest powerful neighbors. We have a bad relationship with Russia, we have a bad relationship with Germany, and we are relying on a far off uh, superpower, right? Back then it was the UK, now it's America. So I don't think it's a good idea to have such an antagonistic relationship with Russia. But that's just my opinion. Okay. And uh, now I have some more questions about Polish history. Can you explain the 1968 Students' March, its history, uh, the causes, and its lasting impact on Polish society? Oh, yes. Oh, I'm, I'm impressed you know about that. That's something <laughs> oh. almost no one knows, including of the right wing, and it's something that they should know. Um, so after... Uh, after communism was introduced, uh, Jews were brought in on the back of Soviet tanks into Poland. Right? They uh, were they fled to Moscow. They came back uh, and they were put in power. Right? Uh, and for example, it's a fact that uh, the hated uh, secret uh, police. Um, uh, their directors were majority Jewish, right? which was very surprising because the Jews were a minority in Poland at the time, a small minority, and yet they're of a the majority of the directors of the secret police, right? Um, so after, right in that time period, so this very brutal, like late 1940s, when they were murdering Polish patriots, they were just murdering Polish people, it was extremely cruel, extremely bad, Jews were put in power, right? And you know, a lot of them did it willingly, and this is not something that a lot of Jews will admit, but it's true, right? Uh, and they've kind of a reaction to this but with another group of Polish communists. And these guys were the partisans and they were more ethnically Polish, right? Uh, and after Stalin died, this group took power and of revenge uh, for what uh, these Jewish communists did, they, they basically expelled them. But it was very bloodless. No one got hurt. Uh, they just said, if you want to leave, Poland, you can't, because at the time, Polish people couldn't leave. So they uh, they had different methods. Uh, this guy, uh, Moshar, who I really respect, um, he went around and he went to different towns and basically said, give me a list of your Jews. If under communism, right, so everything for state enterprise, like just give me a list of your Jews. And then he would come back in the afternoon and said, fire all of them. Right? So this was a type of pressure, economic pressure. Um, and these people fled uh, Poland, uh, their citizenship was taken away. So the deal was you can leave Poland, but you aren't a Polish citizen and your, and, and your descendants aren't eligible for Polish citizenship, right? Uh, the vast majority, like about 80% of Jews took this deal. Peace, by the way, 
have uh, renounced this deal and have given the descendants of these people Polish citizenship again. And this is something that peace did. Uh, this, of course, created a reaction worldwide, right? Because uh, Poland uh, was seen as a pariah state, and a lot of these people who left Poland uh, became very antagonistic to Poland in that period. Um, so, you know, uh, uh, I, to put it simply, it was ethnic revenge. Now, uh, how common were these uh, anti-Zionist attitudes within Poland, even even during the Soviet time? Now, you talked about it a little bit, um, but was was that pretty common common attitude there? Of course, yes, uh, very common. Although you can publicly state it, right? Um, depending on one right. what time period, and and even then, it wasn't uh, anti-Semitic. It was right. anti-Zionist, right? Because they made the true the true claim, uh, because this coincided with a six-day war in Israel. That well, these people are more loyal to Israel than they are to Poland. Right? So we're not getting rid of them because we're Jews. We're getting rid of them because we're not loyal to the state. Now, uh, we're talking about Zionists a little bit, and I delineate between the two as well, anti-Zionist and, and anti-Semitic. Uh, some people might not, but uh, I do pretty strongly. Um, but um, what ways uh, do, do Israel and, and the Zionists kind of persecute Poland even to this day? Uh, yeah. Things such as like uh, seizing their art and lands and artifacts and stuff like that. Yes, uh, there was uh, issues with um, property. Uh, so after World War II, there was a lot of hairless property, like land that doesn't have any direct hairs. Uh, and the law in basically every country, including America, is that this land goes to the state, right? Like someone dies, they don't have anyone to pass on the land to, go to the state. Uh, however, Jews wanted this land to go to Jews. Right? They said, oh, like this person who died was Jewish, so instead of it going to Poland, it should just go to like the ADL or something. Right? <laughs> um, Piss made, like the way that Piss argued against it, was that they said it was anti-Semitic because if you treat Jews this way, you're basically saying that they're not Polish citizens, that they're different from the Poles, like that these people who died like weren't loyal to Poland or uh, an argument like that. Uh, so that one uh, issue, uh, this actually caused a lot of problems in cities with uh, former large Jewish populations because there were all these legal issues over buying property, selling it. Uh, you didn't know if um, you were vulnerable to some type of legal action. Uh, there were people who were doing it maliciously. Um, uh, but that issue have relatively died down because of a law that was passed a couple of years ago. And other issues, um, you know, if they come up uh, periodically here and there, um, you know, just like anything else, uh, in a lot of countries, including Poland, Jews control the media, right? So our largest media uh, is owned by the American Jewish Discovery Time Warner, and they introduce a lot of liberal leftist ideas into Poland. Uh, after Here's an interesting fact, not a lot of people know. The, despite being... Uh, very small minority. After 1968, uh, Jews were tiny in Poland, like 10,000, 15,000. Yet still, the communist minister of television, the guy who controlled our media in the late 80s, was a Jew. And the person who was the most powerful in media in Polish capitalism was also a Jew. Someone from Orban to Miknik. 
Um, what a coincidence, right? <sighs> um, but uh, Jews also make the claim that Poland is anti-Semitic, right? And they say, oh, you got a very bunch of anti-Semites, right? And I, I, I don't agree with that because I think I'm not an anti-Semite because I treat them like I treat other nations, right? I treat them like I treat the Russians, the Germans, the very powerful nations that might be adverse to Poland, that might uh, be doing things that are bad for us, right? But we might ha have to talk about and counteract, right? So I'm just treating them like I uh, treat anyone else. And they often like write media stories about how Poland is anti-Semitic, right? Um, you know, we are often spread by Jews, right? But it's not true. Now, we're talking about this issue a little bit. How is the Holocaust uh, used as, as like the wedge here, or is it? Not really. It's very different here because uh, Poland does not see itself of guilty. Like, what were victims to? Um, my great aunt died in Auschwitz, right? Um, we believe she died of typhus, right? So Polish people were interned in camp. Lots of them died. Lots of Polish people died saving Jews. Um, so in the West, for this big, like, Holocaust guilt, right? And Oftentimes, like you can't have white solidarity, you can't have a white nation anymore because of the Holocaust. And that's just my opinion. But there's a lot of thinking this way, especially among influential Jews who fear uh, white ethno states because of the Holocaust. In Poland, here we don't have this uh, Holocaust guilt yet, yet. Uh, but they're trying to push it on us. Right? They're trying to create a false narrative that uh, Poles were actually guilty when, you know, Polish neighbors were slaughtering Jews, that type of thing. Um, after 1968, uh, publications like The Painted Bird came out, right? Completely fictitious stories about how Polish neighbors were killing people. Uh, one thing that was uh, very prominent that haven't been talked about in a while is Yedwabne. Yedwabne was a small village it, it is a small village in Poland uh, where there was a massacre of Jews, right? And in 2001, uh, Jews claimed that, you know, it wasn't the Germans who did it because there was a big um, monument under communism that said, here, uh, German uh, paramilitaries killed 1,600 Jews, right? And they said, no, no, no. It was actually the Polish neighbors who did it, right? So Poles are guilty of neighbors. And you know what the Polish response was? Okay, uh, let's investigate, right? Let's do a forensic investigation, right? Like, well, let's find out what happened. You know what the Jews responded? They didn't want that out of match Shut it down, yeah. shut it down, <laughs> shut it down, right? So, um, yeah, so they, they dug for about four days. They found much, much fewer bodies. The entire story doesn't make any sense because it was a very small barn. You couldn't even fit that many people in it, right? There weren't even that many people lived in the village, although there could have been more refugees. Look, there's a lot of mystery about that, right? Uh, so, you know, during the course of a dig, you can see pictures of all these worried rabbis, like, oh, no, right? And they told the Polish government uh, at the time, Black Kaczynski was, uh, I believe, prime minister, and he shut down the investigation. Now, uh, World War II has kind of been mentioned uh, in passing here a couple of times, but uh, how were Poles mistreated in, in World War II by the Ukrainians and Banderites? Uh, and is the current conflict uh, between Russia and Ukraine kind of opening some, some old wounds there or, or rearing its head in politics? 
Yes, um, it was one of the most brutal genocides and slaughters. Uh, so in uh, what is now Western Ukraine, uh, there was a large uh, Polish minority, right? Most of the people who lived there for a very, very long time, right? Because um, you know, Poland was a much bigger state. And they were brutally slaughtered by the UPA, uh, what we call Banderites. Um, uh, they would often come in the morning, they would slaughter people, uh, axes, pitchforks, women, children, children thrown down wells. It was um, terror because their idea was that the Germans are losing. This was a period when like, the Germans were clearly on the back foot. The Soviets, you know, they're coming through, but our biggest threat in Western Ukraine are the Poles. And as long as we have a Polish minority, we will never have a Ukrainian state. And uh, it is worth it to murder babies, kill women, in order to achieve a Polish state, to have a greater, uh, I mean, uh, to have a Ukrainian state, to enlarge the Ukrainian land. Um, and this is something that is a difficult issue for Ukraine to deal with, because Bandera is one of our greatest heroes, they commemorate him. And Poland, obviously, we see this guy as horrible villain and this is a person who said kill polish babies kill polish children to achieve a ukrainian state um what poland wants and you know, during this war poland has provided so much assistance to ukrainians ukrainians living in ukraine ukrainians living in poland and one simple request we had was we want exhumation we want to give proper Catholic burials to those people who are murdered. We want to dig up those bodies and put them in a cemetery. Uh, and the Ukrainians, they, like, they say they will allow it, um, but for a long time they refuse to allow exhumations because they didn't want the truth, right? Because we allow exhumations, you can't hide it. And uh, the Ukrainians often say, no, 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 uh, it wasn't like that. It was, uh, they often say it was equal, it was reciprocal, right? But if you look up, like, you know, uh, if you do forensic investigation, you'll find out what happened. You'll find people were tortured, people were hacked. Um, so um, that's why they don't want to do it because they're afraid of having this guilt. Um, yeah, it, it was very brutal, and it affects Polish people today. Like my grandma, right, who's a big piss voter, uh, elder, like piss half for old people, right? She hates Ukrainians, right? Because that generation has those memories, right? That they have those stories of uh, Ukrainians slaughtering, like, you know, who, who were people who once were neighbors showing up uh, and then killing people in churches. Um, oh, hold on, I got it. Yeah, um, so it's a historical wedge between Poland and Ukraine, a non-resolved issue. Uh, now, let me see here. So we mentioned uh, Intermarium uh, earlier, and I, I learned about it a little bit uh, in the lead-up to this to this interview, and I think you said you weren't in favor of that. Um, no. Okay. No, of course not. Now, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll take it from that position. First off, you defined it a little bit, but maybe uh, expound a, a little as well. Um, and what would be the advantages and, and disadvantages of that? All you, although you kind of laid out some of the disadvantages already, but so uh, advantages. So, so uh, when you look at the Polish state, right? Uh, like, well, who influences the elite? Right? Uh, 
they have this idea of if neo intermarium where if we have a sovereign and independent Belarus, Ukraine, Lithuania, the Baltic states are, who are under the Polish sphere, right? Then uh, we won't have the threat of Russia. Um, this is all because they're, uh, they hate, they're afraid of Russia, right? And they, some of it, I, I agree with that, like, you know, we could be dominated economically by Russia if we don't, uh, if we're not careful, right? But uh, the intermarium idea is if we, if Belarus, Ukraine, Baltic states aren't in Russia's fear of influence, Russia's weaker, and this is better for Poland. That's the advantage. All right. Now, how likely is, I mean, you know, it seems unlikely that something like that could, could ever take hold. Of course, you know, things change, but um, is, is it kind of a, a fantasy idea to you? Or, or like, how, how do you see it is, is even possible? Of course, you're not for it anymore. No, no like, I, it's pretty much playing out. This is the ideology of a Polish state. Like, it doesn't mean that we're going to incorporate it in one right. state, okay. right? But just um, the political alliances, right? Of course, Belarus. Like the big mistake is that we push Belarus away because Lukashenko, right, he didn't want to be a Russian vassal. Uh, he wanted a degree of independence. And you know, he's been in power for like 30, 40 years, right? He can't, like, in my opinion, he probably just wants to st- uh, set up some type of hereditary uh, system for his children in Belarus, right? He doesn't want it to just be another Russian state. But because of Poland's aggressive actions against Belarus, we pushed them into the arms of Putin, right? So I think it's counterproductive, right? Like, uh, because we strengthened Russian, the, Russia there. And as I said, do we want a completely antagonistic relationship with Russia? I, I don't think so. I think this would be bad. I think we should have friendly relationship with all our neighbors. Now, now you mentioned, uh, you know, it wouldn't be like one state, kind of a confederation type deal. Well, there is a confederation in Europe, basically. It's called the EU. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on the EU? And, and what if you have negative thoughts, I assume probably do. Uh, a lot of our audience does. I kind of do, too. Um, but uh, what ways has it shackled uh, Poland? Yes, I have very negative thoughts about the EU. Um yeah, the EU were very antagonistic against Polish nationalism, sovereignty when we joined the EU, right? Like uh, the proposal was a bit different. Uh, you know, we're going to have economic union, political union, but we're still going to be a sovereign state. And now the EU is like, actually, actually, uh, we want EU law to supersede national law, right? Um, which, like, you know, our constitution said the, con- the Polish constitution is the highest law in the land and Strasbourg where the EU court is said no actually so EU laws are more powerful than Polish laws and um and uh Brussels like you know tries to influence things uh we have an election going on and for Polish liberals sir here's one thing to understand peace is very pro-American right for the American like party and they're Boomers who have an old idea of America, like Ronald Reagan's America, the Polish liberals are very pro-EU, pro-German. And they want to see more integration, less sovereignty, in my opinion, and uh, they like this European idea. I mean, like like the EU is doing 
so many bad things, like so many terrible, clearly terrible ideas with refugees, with a uh, green energy, for destroying your European industry, for destroying European demographics. Who knows uh, if uh, more right-wing parties can get elected, if uh, the EU can change, but uh, evident right now, um, I don't see much good about them. Now, how could Poland operate <clears throat> within the EU uh, better diplomatic uses diplomatic power uh etc to kind of preserve polish heritage and culture or is it just like um uh, a poison oh for every way yeah okay, every way we have a veto right 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 so all the countries have vetoes right and hungary threatens to use its right so hungary said you know like there's some issues that hungary had and they said if you don't uh give us what we want we're going to veto the aid to Ukraine, right? And we Polish nationalists wanted peace to have the same stance, right? Stand up to the EU and tell them uh, that you're going to veto things if they bully us, if they're unfair to Poland, right? But they're like, no, no, we can't do anything like that, right? So all you have to do is take very antagonist if you take an extremely antagonistic stance and just start vetoing everything, you've mostly paralyzed. And they can't do anything about it because as long as we have a good relationship with Hungary, Hungary will back us up and we'll back them up. Right? Um, so we do have like mechanisms in the EU that the EU wants to get rid of. The EU desperately wants to get rid of the vetoes. Now, what is pisses? Why do they say they can't do that? They can't. They can't um, veto Ukrainian aid. Right. Yeah. Um, why? There's a lot of theories. Like, why do you like, like what I said about intermarrying, right? Like, we're this like reasonable approach that, like, all right, uh, we're going, and if an approach that I don't think is very moral, they have this to the last Ukrainian, right? Every tank, every Russian tank that the Ukrainians destroy is one last tank that can invade Poland, right? That's kind of a mentality. So if we fight to the last Ukrainian, uh, that means like we don't have to fight uh, Russia ourselves. There are other theories like blackmail perhaps of Ukrainians were running brothels in part of Poland uh, and we know they were videotaping and we know there were prominent pissed politicians who went to those brothels, right? So there could be blackmail on certain people. Something that I haven't mentioned, and I think it's very relevant, uh, not a lot of people know. I told you about Kaczynski, right? He's right. the founder and leader of PIS, right? Very interesting guy. He had a twin brother, right? Lech Kaczynski. And these guys were very close. Uh, they founded PIS together. Um, Lech Kaczynski died in Smolensk in that plane crash. You remember the uh, Smolensk yeah. plane crash, right? Yeah. And I knew he so, had a twin brother. I was going to bring that up earlier, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Yaroslav Kaczynski publicly says that Putin killed his brother. His brother said, oh, there's no question, Yaroslav Kaczynski loved his brother, right? So if he actually believed that, because um, a lot of... Polish, fifth of the most controversial thing in Poland, what happened in Smolensk, with about a third of Poland thinking some combination of either the Russians or the Polish liberals in cahoots uh, were, did it. They conspired and they murdered the Polish government. Uh, and the third says 
of an accident, right? Uh, of a foggy day, um, people were drunk on the plane, they told the pilots to land, uh, they hit a tree and it was an accident. And another third, uh, unsure, they don't know, right? Uh, this has been a huge raging debate. It's also what got this into power initially because this happened before an election and uh, Yaroslav Kaczynski said, vote for us, we'll investigate, we'll find out what happened. We'll find out uh, what they did. <laughs> the guy who died, Lech Kaczynski, uh, was very anti-Russian uh, and went through the war in Georgia. He made a speech saying today, Russia is invading Georgia, tomorrow, maybe Ukraine, the day after the Baltic states, and someday, maybe my country, Poland. Right, so they uh, have a narrative. And if Yaroslav Kaczynski actually believed this, this could be a motivator for him, right? That he thinks that the Russians killed his brother. Yeah, that would explain a lot. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, I hadn't really thought about it like that, I guess, because I'm not Polish, but uh, not necessarily out of the goodness of their heart that they're supporting Ukraine, but it's like, uh, well, they're kind of, um, you know, uh, don't don't mind losing some Ukrainians to to take out some Russians, right? Like, just fight till they're all gone. Who cares? Um, now, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. I, I, know, I know people who are personally very, like, I would say anti-Ukraine. Excuse me, I'm getting over cold. Uh, who are very anti-Ukrainian, who are a big supporter of the Ukrainian war. Right. Right? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, actually. Uh, now, you mentioned yes. uh, Confederatia earlier, I, uh, or however you say that. I'm, I'm not great with the pronunciation. Um, Confederatia. Confederatia. And, uh, here, 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 a little tidbit. Not a lot of people know. Yanis Gorbin Mika. He's have a name, uh, which translates in English to the Confederation, uh, was inspired from the rebel movement in the oh. South. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. That's what he says. Yeah, I'm familiar with that, being a Southerner myself. Uh, now, what's your relation uh, to that party, and, and, and what are its policies, policies and how is it, how's it different? You went over it a little bit earlier, but... Uh... I'm close to them. Now, how do they how do they differ from, from, the, from the ruling party um, that's this kind they of... They actually party? are Polish nationalists, right? Right. They actually <laughs> put the Polish state first. <clears throat> right. Like all these things, because right now we have an election going on, right? And because we have an election going on, this uh, is taking this hard stance against uh, Ukraine, right? Here's one important issue that, uh, excuse me, that's happening right now is that uh, Poland and Ukraine have a difference in interest when it comes to agriculture goods, because Poland actually have very poor soil, but highly managed. Ukraine have some of the best soil in the world, right? Ukraine, it's in their interest to have access to the EU market, right? Uh, because if it's rich market, huge margins, uh, and they will, they really want to sell. If it's in the interest of Ukraine, it will be good for Ukraine. But it will be devastating for Poland because if we allow Ukrainian goods to be dumped in the EU, they will all go into Poland first, right? and it will undercut all the prices of Polish farmers who already are suffering terribly as a result of uh, piss, right? Because the energy prices are so high, fertilizer prices are so high, right? Once you add that Ukrainian goods are being dumped here and Ukrainian agriculture is run by oligarchs of the top 10 agricultural companies in Ukraine, only one is registered in Ukraine, right? So if you feel like foreign companies, um, the Chinese, Blackstone, the US, right? Uh, 
they will be putting Polish farmers out of all, well, they'll go bankrupt, right? So Confederacy immediately recognized this. And they were like, no, look, we can't allow Ukrainian goods in because it will be bad for Poland if we get without our interests, right? And PIS allowed it. Now that for an election, they're saying, no, 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 we can't do it, right? Uh, once the election happens, we'll see what happens if they remain in power, right? Whether they're telling the truth or whether uh, they'll backpedal. Now, 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 how do you see uh, Confederacia in in relation to uh, to other leading nationalist move, movements across Europe, and and is it possible to replicate what's what's being going on there in Poland? Uh, we have um, we have a lot of benefits in Poland. Um, we don't have a culture of political correctness. And I think this comes from uh, communism, right? Because under communism, we have a huge repression of political thought and speech, right? You can't say this, you can't do this. And because of this in Poland, we do not censor ourselves as much. And we don't say, oh, this type of uh, speech is verboten. Like, it's true what you're saying, but you can't say it, right? We, we don't have this culture here. Um, so I think in countries, where, like, for example, like, well, what I was talking about the Jews, so, you know, they control the media in Poland, right? Uh, in a lot of countries in the West, how would you forget you kicked out of any political party, even though it's true, right? right? So in Confederatio, you can say things like that, right? And you, you can just say the truth and, all right, you're just talking truth. And even if, like, you know, you're mistaken, like, you know, uh, you know, not everyone uh, always uh, said the truth, but as long as you uh, aim toward that, that's a strength. Um, we do have, there was a problem, right? So when Confederate started, especially uh, Rucknard Alder, right? So Confederate is a confederation of different parties, so one of them is Rucknard Alder, which is a nationalist. Really good. They started the Warsaw Independence March. <clears throat> They had, uh, they tried to reach out with other uh, partners internationally, like Jobbik, right? And it was kind of embarrassing now because Jobbik went full uh, woke, gay, all this stuff, right? So Jobbik, which was a far right party in Hungary, uh, turned uh, the other way, right? So a Confederate officially don't do too much stuff, uh, but for our links, um, like with Miha Zsanek in Hungary, which is a far right in Hungary, a lot of people, especially in bronze movement, really like them. Uh, in Rognardova, they like them too. There's some reach out to people in AFD, people in Slovakia, things like that. But whether you could recreate this in France, I think it would just get thrown in jail. I think if you did this in a lot of countries in Western Europe, uh, you would get thrown in jail. Like Gregor Spran, he'd be in prison for what he says. Now you, you talked about the migrant. This is a little bit of a shift, but you talked about the migrant situation uh, in Poland earlier. What, what's the current lay of the land, just uh, you know, in the communities, and and has there been any violence or strife as a result of that? Yes. Um, well, it's just beginning, right? So, like, where are the beginning phases? Was it Poland with an ethno state? By far, the largest group that come here are Ukrainians, right? Um, and people can have differing opinions on that. Uh, there's been a huge increase in Muslims. And yeah, you can see them. Um, if you go to Warsaw and you order an Uber, maybe you'll get 
it used to be that you would probably get picked up by Ukrainian, but they didn't come for an out by Georgians, Uzbeks, people like that. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, we have a problems of the West, uh, where there's a lot of rapes in these Uber that are run by immigrants, right? It's, you know, it's just starting, but like the more of these people we have, the more violence against women there's going to be, just like Germany, just like Sweden. Now, you, you mentioned Belarus uh, again earlier. We'll double back to that. Um, can you explain the – it seems pretty complex, but uh, can you explain the, the Polish-Belarusian uh, border situation uh, and, and what's exactly happening there? Yes. So I have a hybrid attack against Poland. Um, uh, Lukashenko changed the visa requirements in Belarus, right? <clears throat> And he would allow people from all the African nations, Middle East nations, to fly directly into Minsk without visas, right? You just buy a plane ticket, you go there, and then they would pay a bribe to the Belarusian border guard. Uh, they would take them to the border, and they would try to illegally enter into Poland. This was very organized. This was very planned out. These people, although they're crossing into Poland, Almost none of them want to be in Poland. Uh, do you know what they want? Right to come to the U.S. or other Western country. Germany. Yeah, Germany. Germany. Welfare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, welfare and Ger- Well, they want to go to Germany, but some of them maybe want to go to Sweden because if you're like, I don't know, uh, Somalian, maybe you want to go to like little Somalia in Malmo or something like that, right? Um, so they're just uh, trying to pass through Poland uh, in Poland. Get this, even our leftist Jewish like politicians don't want illegal immigration, right? Like maybe if right now it's an election, um, but basically in Poland, everyone likes strong borders. Uh, I think it might be with Polish mentality, right? Because we are kind of on the border of the steps, so like we've been a wall for Europe before. Maybe it's because we've learned uh, from the mistakes of the West, right? Like, you know, you can see Vov, a gang rape in Cologne, things like that. But I've never met a Polish person who was against um, a strong border, keeping illegal immigrants out, right? Um, so we constructed wall. Uh, Peace actually did something really well. Like, it is illegal for journalists to go go close to that wall, right? Because the journalists would come in, like, you know, they would bring in some children and take photos of them, like make this propaganda, oh, look at all these women and children. When in reality, it's 100% men, right? Fighting age men, right? So you keep the media out of there, right? And also allows you to do pushbacks, right? So when you catch people on the Polish side, you throw them back into Belarus. Now, um... We'll, we'll double back to the <clears throat> excuse me to the uh, Russia-Ukraine war. Uh, question is a little out of order here, but it kind of flows anyway. Um, how do you see that that thing um, turning out? I guess, uh, and you, you have kind of a bird's eye view there uh, in Poland. But how do you see that thing ultimately resolving itself? It's hard to make a prediction, um, but my hope is the war ends soon. Uh, I think it would be best if a conflict was over. 
yeah, I would have to agree with you there. Uh, now, I don't know if that's going to happen uh, anytime soon, but uh, yeah, I would have to agree with that. Uh, now, what about Nord Stream 2? Uh, who do you think did that, and, and why do you think they did it? Americans? That's what I think. <laughs> All right. Yeah, like, um, yeah, I think the Americans did it. Um, they did it because, well, the Germans, right? Uh, the Germans already are very divided on supporting Ukraine, right? And when you add into it that supporting Ukraine means that their industry will suffer, right? That uh, all for because German, Germany is a very industrialized nation, right? Um, and with without access to cheap energy, uh, all these businesses will suffer, right? So if they have this choice of that, if we support Ukraine, we're gonna potentially not have access to cheap Russian gas, but if we don't support them, we will, but Americans took away that choice. Now I have a, another question on on Ukraine, and we and we might clear up a couple of these uh, extra ones uh, at the end. But um, I'd actually forgotten about this. But uh, as a poll, what what are your thoughts on the Ukrainian missile attack uh, this past fall? I guess it was November uh, that they tried to blame on Russia uh, at first, and then covered it up, kind of, uh, and and it was found out to be their air defense, basically. Um, makes makes me really mad. Really mad, like because most things I, I can talk about without emotion, right? I just like a fair interest, like when I was talking about agriculture, but sure. right? put myself into the shoes of a Ukrainian, right? And it's like we're not bad people, we just have interests that conflict. This, fuck them, right? Because number one, and this is something like okay, I can understand they wanted to draw us into the conflict, right? Uh, they will be it in their interest to expand the war. Right? to get Poland into the war, to help them fight their war. It's not our war, it's their war, but they wanted us to join it. Right? And this isn't the first time that they've tried to draw, draw us directly into the war. Right? But they never apologized. They killed two people, and they never apologized. Yeah, and uh, they definitely, of course, you see that from the Ukrainians a lot where they'll just flat out lie. Not that the Russians yes. don't have their times of that, too, but, you know, the Ukrainians are supposed to be, you know, this Western back thing, and, and they lied. Um, I would argue maybe even more uh, than, the, than the Russians did, right? Yes. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's the, that's the Starlink thing, and, and you see that, of course, they you know, are, are kind of in a bad way there and they, and they want to get everybody they can involved, but, um, they do it time and time again. I just saw Zelensky on, on 60 minutes yesterday, denying that they were sending drones into Russia, which everybody knows they are. Uh, and then they kind of finagled the question a little bit and then he basically admitted it. Right. Uh, it's like, okay, well you just said that wasn't happening, uh, right before that. And, and now you're saying, well, the Russians get what they deserve or, or whatever. So, uh, you know, you, you see that out of Ukraine uh, a lot. Now, I'm, I, like I said, I might double back to a few of those uh, Ukraine questions uh, here at the, at the end after I get through some of these others. But um, have you been following what's going on? This is not Polish or, or Ukrainian or, or that sphere necessarily, but is, it is Europe. Uh, have you been following what's going on in, in Lampedusa in Italy? And do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, yes. Um, huge news. Um... Yes, uh, it has to be stopped. 
it has to be stopped. Uh, I was watching of a leader of Confederatio, Christoph Bosak, um, last weekend, and he made some good points about it. People are very critical about Maloney, and it's true that she, if a fraud, she's um, they haven't been doing anything good, but she's constrained because when Salvini just detained a couple of boats um, when he was in power, he got destroyed. The Italian uh, legal system dragged him through multiple lawsuits, right? And she's afraid of this happening to her if she actually defends uh, the border. Now, in Confederazio, there are people with um, very simple and very harsh um, ideas about what what should be done. Um, but it needs to be stopped if these people, like Africa sucks, and there are infinite amounts of Africans who want to move to Europe, right? Uh, some of them just to get on welfare, some of them like, you know, working Uber Eats is much better than living yeah. in Nigeria, right? Um, so if it is possible for them to do it, they will keep coming, they will keep coming, and this will destroy Europe. And it needs to be stopped. And if that means push, like definitely pushbacks, right? Like send them back to where they come from. Uh, if both countries don't take them back, sanction them. Although the problem is because both African countries are increasingly less Europe uh, influenced and more influenced by Russia, right? So when France was powerful in both nations, you, we could say like, hey, you got to take these people back or else, like, you know, we could sanction or whatever, but like France have lost its grip and the influence. My opinion, if, if both boats sink, they sink and they shouldn't be rescued. Yeah, France is kind of, you know, cucked, I guess might be the word. You know, I kept hearing they were going to, at first it's like, oh, France is about to gear up to go into Africa and teach these guys a lesson, you know, with the Niger and the bombs and the stuff going on there. Uh, but that doesn't appear to be materializing. Um, it appears to be a bunch of bullshit that was kind of put out there. I mean, traditionally they would, right, uh, back in the day, but uh, now they've kind of lost their, their grip there in Africa. Yes, yes. Now, you, we talked about Maloney. What, what do you think about her job in Italy overall? Uh, she was supposed to, you mentioned Salvini too. She was supposed to be kind of further right than him even. Uh, and I guess he's deputy prime minister. I saw him on, um, I guess it was a BBC clip where he was talking about this uh, yesterday. But she, she really hasn't proven to be. Uh, what are kind of your thoughts on her, her job so far? A typical conservative, just like this, right? Like she'll say like, oh, like, you know, we don't want these people on like strong borders, but uh, under her government, uh, there's been an increase in, I think, both legal and illegal migration. So she's doing a bad job. Yeah, and, and we see that in America, too. Uh, and uh, <laughs> some of them will just flat out say, I'm in favor of legal migration, but not illegal. It's like, well, okay, they're both an issue. Uh, this is uh, piss. Uh, this is what piss says. Right. right. Uh, that we, like, you know, like both uh, Africans in Lampedusa, if they just applied uh, for Polish work visas <laughs> to come here, like work Uber Eats, to like work of a cook, to like, you know, all these jobs, then it would be fine. Right. So, their only problem is that for coming in illegally 
but if they just apply for Polish work visa, why not grant it to them? We need more people, and who knows? Maybe they could help, like you know, help us grow demogra uh, demographically and blah blah blah, and they could be the new Polish citizens, right? Um, a one scandal, which like pissed in eyes, but they have no credibility. If you know what we're talking about with uh, people on the Polish border, so Polish border, um, uh, who knows? Because Germany says that they get a lot of illegal migrants who um, come from Poland, right? Who are transported mostly by foreigners, mostly by Ukrainians. Um, some of those people, right, uh, who couldn't illegally enter Poland, went to a Polish embassy in Minsk and just applied legally. And got in. Well, there's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't want those people in. I mean, it's an alien culture, uh, and um, we yeah. we we need we need a serious debate about migration, right? Because everything is couched in like oh, illegal immigration path. We need a serious debate about whether we want this massive, shocking amount of legal migration or not, right? to a pretty clear platform. Um, you know, one of the things they just straight up say is stop the flow of Muslims, right? Because uh, Muslims are a problem in Europe, right? I don't have anything against Muslims. Uh, I, I like them. But when they come into Europe, they cause problems. And we don't want these problems in Poland, right? So Confederate just says stop the flow of Muslims, stop giving out so many work visas to Muslim countries. Right, and I, I take the position you do. It's it's not about um, hating the people uh, or, or hating Muslims. It's just they're not really com compatible with with Poland or, or, or with the West, uh, at least in, in large numbers. Uh, and it changes the culture. It changes, um, you know, the politics, and they create their own enclaves, and it, this becomes uh, an issue. Now, uh, let, let's double back to some Polish issues. And like I said, I might try to clean up a few of these uh, Ukraine questions too before the end. But um, how large – you talked about um, – Piss being kind of enthrall uh, to the U.S. and the in the U.S. regime. How large a role does the U.S. military industrial complex um, play in Poland? And uh, what did the U.S. do to gain such prominence so quickly after the fall of the of the Soviet Union? Um, okay. uh, after uh, during the fall of communism, America was a shining city on the hill, right? right? Like the beacon of freedom and. Polish people love the idea of America, right? Like, um, because in a lot of ways, Poland and uh, America are based on similar ideas. Uh, Poland had one of the first constitutions in the world, very similar to America. So, so like, you know, they have national affinity, but a lot of Polish people don't understand the current America, right? very anti-white. Um, People realize it's run by Jews, but um, they don't realize how the problems um, in America uh, <clears throat> for military, of American soldiers, or just a story that American soldiers will now patrol the streets of a Polish city. And the reason for this is because PIS made an agreement with Americans that American soldiers are not. Um, under the sovereignty of Polish law, right? Very exempt. So Polish policemen can't arrest uh, American soldier, right? Even if they do something horrible, like they rape or kill someone, we can't touch them. They're immune. 
right? <clears throat> uh, America is the strongest uh, military in the world. Um, when we have such an antagonistic relationship with Russia, we need the Americans. We need their support, right? So the more antagonistic we get against Russia, the more we'll rely on America. Yeah, we've seen some of that uh, elsewhere in the world, cause strife in Japan. I know, uh, I think it was Osaka, but uh, there's some American soldiers there, kind of, kind of acting up, and they can't really touch them too much because of the agreements and and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. I, th I think that um, people in America don't necessarily realize <laughs> that they're not uh, always that popular uh, in situations like that. Now, uh, China was brought up earlier. Um, do you see China challenging U.S. influence uh, within Poland uh, anytime soon? Sure. If I had to say, a couple of years ago, I would have said uh, that uh, peace actually have a good approach to China, right? Because when for the Beijing Olympics, uh, a lot of EU countries uh, and like, you know, we're not going to go, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the Polish president went to Beijing, who um, <clears throat> one of a few. Right? So, I, you know, I think we should have a friendly relationship with China, of course. Um, whether PIS is capable of it now, because as I said, uh, the way that they've led Poland, if they've really lowered our room to independently maneuver and more, they just take orders from the American embassy, right? So the American embassy says, hey, you got to take an anti-China stance. You got to ban these Chinese companies, this and that and the other thing. They have uh, less room to say, oh, if it's in Polish interest, we're not going to do it. And more, yes, master, absolutely master, whatever you say. Now, let's double back uh, a little bit. Um, the Ukrainian situation, <clears throat> and we talked about migration, et cetera, and there were already Ukrainians in Poland. Uh, but how has that increased during during the war? Uh, and um, has it created any di divides in, in Polish society as far as language and, and, and wealth difference and stuff like that? Yes, um, although with the wealth, like, you know, it, it really varies because there are lots of rich Ukrainians too, right? Yeah. Uh, well, one noticeable difference with this uh, refugee wave, the demographic that is most anti-Ukrainian refugee are young women. Yeah, and they're right? known for having attractive women <laughs> in Ukraine. That's no, 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 no. You, you, you misunderstand this. Sure. Right? So... In countries like Germany, right, the demographic who've most against refugees would be young men, right? While the women are more like welcome oh, okay. refugees. Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. In Poland, if you look at the polling, like who like wants the Ukrainians to go back, right? young women, young Polish women. Okay, I got you. Now, right? um, why do they feel like that? Competition. Competition for <laughs> Polish men. <laughs> that makes sense. Right? Look, look I, I've, uh, I've gotten to know a lot of Ukrainians, very good people. Um, I like a lot of them a lot. Um, in a lot of ways, they're very similar to Poles. Genetically, Western Ukrainians and Eastern Poles are the closest, right? They're very, very uh, similar. So it's just a culture um, issue. There is some history, right? Like, 
my, my, my opinion of it, if while I don't have anything against Ukrainians in general, right, uh, there are people in Poland who have much stronger anti-Ukrainian feelings. Well, I said, like, I'm, I came from a background of not a petty nationalist, but like, you know, we need white solidarity. Um, in the past, uh, the, there were problems with multiculturalism in Poland with the Ukrainians. Uh, being such a close neighbor, um, I think for, they, will, they won't assimilate as strongly as some Polish people hope, right? because we'll remain Ukrainian. And I think the biggest issue is we're, we're going to change from something that is solidly a Polish ethnostate, Poland for Poland, which is something you no longer hear, Polska to Polakov, was something that people said years ago, but now they won't say it because, you know, the Ukrainians, you don't want to make them feel bad, right? Uh, so we'll turn multicultural with Poland and Ukrainians, and then we'll have Ugandans in large numbers. <laughs> Ukrainians and Ugandans don't really go together. Very well. <laughs> First Ukrainians, later Ugandans. <laughs> but, but like I said, like I've gotten to know some Ukrainians and other really sweet, really nice people, like normal people, like who just care about their families, right? Now, uh, how has the Jewish community within Poland responded to the Ukrainian uh, war and the Ukrainian refugees coming into Poland? Yeah, they're a huge supporter of Ukraine. Now, has that uh, they control the media there too? You, you talked about. Um, now, now, let me see. I'm, I'm looking through some of these these other questions. I think we we hit most of them, um, but I, I wanted to ask you, and of course, the whole conversation. Uh, has has been for the audience to understand the 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 paradigm within Poland and and some of the like a deeper dive uh, into some of these issues versus just reading you know some article or seeing something on the BBC right or some kind of international coverage. Um, but how can a a non pole uh, somebody in some of these other Western countries like United States or or other European countries um, kind of understand the political paradigm within Poland? Uh, difficult. Uh, Confederatio based support Confederatio. Uh, <laughs> share Confederatio talking points, share Confederatio things. Uh, a lot of Confederatio leaders speak very good English. If you're a journalist, yeah. reach out to them, interview them. They're very open to it. Um, promote Confederatio. Very good party, very based. And for people who are Polish citizens who don't live in Poland, you are eligible to vote in the election, and I would encourage you to register and um, vote. Now, how common? This wasn't on my list of questions, but how common is? I've done some traveling, uh, and you know, like when I went to Portugal, for instance, I won't say everybody, but a large segment of port Portuguese people speak English uh, and, and speak it very well. Now, I'm in Mexico, and that's not the case, even though it's right next to the United States. Most people don't speak English uh, here in, in Mexico. Um, how common is it there in, in Poland? Most young people speak English, like, relatively well, too. Um, you know, it's a global culture. Like, you know, uh, everyone has access to media. Um, uh, English is such the dominant language uh, worldwide. Um, you were talking about China. If you're a Polish person, you want to talk to a Chinese person, you're going to talk in English, right? Um, it, it's very, very common. You know, you'll find young people who don't have good uh, English. Uh, the schools here really differ. Um, 
Or some of them aren't very good, right? But in general, English is taught widely. People pick it up naturally. Older generation might not understand it, right? But young people generally do. Yeah, so here in Mexico, um, they may understand <laughs> what you're saying or, or kind of what you're saying, but they don't, most of them don't actually uh, speak English, but they kind of understand it just due to the to the media, uh, but they don't actually, you can't really converse uh, with them in English, so that's a problem, and my lack of Spanish uh, has been an issue as well uh, that I need to rectify on a separate subject, <laughs> different from this interview. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here, here, here's another issue, right? If you come to Poland, right? And you like, oh, let's say you even learn Polish, right? And you're like, all right, uh, I don't need English because I'll just converse in Polish. Uh, you get out of the airport, you get a taxi, and the guy is Pakistani, right? And he doesn't <laughs> understand English or Polish. <laughs> he doesn't understand either one. Uh, now, see, I'm looking through the questions. I think we we hit most of them, but um, just, just here towards the end, First off, what what have I left out uh, in terms of, of, of ways to understand Poland and, and the paradigm there? Uh, and, and just, you know, what would you want to add to this? I, I think you did a very good job. I'm impressed with your knowledge. Um, one thing, for most people are political normies, right? And uh, in Poland, all of the media all have the same narrative about COVID. Right, of the exact same narrative. Uh, whether the left or the right a television station who said, oh, we hate each other, right? They have the same narrative, right? And the same thing about the Ukrainian war. They have the exact same narrative, right? Yeah. Um, so most people just watch the TV and like, all right, uh, that's what the TV is saying. That's what um, um, I'm expected to think and believe. Um, and that's it, right? So um, most people are just normal people, and they don't think too deeply about these things. Yeah, and I've talked about that on the Killstream a lot. Um, most people, particularly in the United States, uh, don't really know that much about uh, international affairs, and they don't really care to. And maybe they don't have time. You know, it's not all their fault, right? Um, you know, they only have a certain amount of free time or, or this or that. But, but I've found um, even the more normie people – uh, overseas, even in Mexico, uh, seem to have a better understanding of, of geopolitics, basically, and international politics. Uh, whereas in America, not to down my own people, but uh, it's just not a treasured thing. And I've always been fascinated by international relations and geopolitics, sure. et cetera. But, um, you know, nationwide, that's not really a thing in America. One, one strength of Poland, and um, oh, something that impresses me about Polish people, is their knowledge of history. Right? Yeah. Polish people have a very, very good understanding of history. Right? If you talk to any random Polish person, they probably know a lot about history, like so much more than an American would. 